All right. John's here. So this past week, went on a run. Didn't go, yeah, no, no, not if you saw the time and how far I didn't go. Um, but got done with my run and I was, I was on my knees, my office, crying. And just saying to God, this is so hard. This is so hard. Like, it's all I could pray. That's all I could say. I had my headphones off down here. I got the old school Sony headphones. Um, I'll show you later if you want a pair. They're like five bucks. But anyway, um, and I'm just, I'm just crying and, and crying out to God. And this song is playing. And um, the lyrics I heard were, were this. I will trust my Savior Jesus when my darkest doubts befall. Trust him when to simply trust him seems the hardest thing of all. I will trust my Savior Jesus. Trust him when my strength is small. For I know the shield of Jesus is the safest place of all. Jesus, only Jesus, help me trust you more and more. Jesus, only Jesus, may my heart be ever yours. And I had a choice in that moment. Whether I was going to listen to that truth and trust Jesus. Even though it was hard. Or to distrust him and put more trust in others, in things, in anything but him. And thankfully I listened to the truth in that song and trusted Jesus. I still didn't get it. It was still difficult. But I had trust or confidence, same thing, in God who is good, who is for me and not against me. Who's outside of time and sees what's best for my good and for his glory. And even though I don't get it, even though it's still hard, I trust you. I trust him. And at times in my life, I distrust Jesus when it's hard and I just give him the cold shoulder for a while. It always causes me greater pain and frustration and dissatisfaction in the long run. And I always come crawling back to him when I could have just gone to him to start with. So here's a truth that we all know. Life is hard. You didn't need me to tell you that. Life is hard. Death, sickness, car problems, marital problems, defiant kids, conflict with other people. What we need is honest prayers with God of where we're at in the mess. We need those gentle reminders as well, like I had in that song of our trustworthy Savior. In Psalm 62, where we're at this morning, this is exactly what David does. He pours out his heart to God. He's honest with God, but then reminds himself of the gentle, amazing truth that his trustworthy Savior is there. So as you turn to Psalm 62, a little bit of background. David is the author. David was the king of Israel. He was a shepherd boy growing up, turned king. And it says in the little, um, the, the section right before it starts, it says to the choir master, according to Jeduthun, we'll just say that because that sounds fun. Jeduthun, a Psalm of David. Um, 
Jaduthan was a, a chief musician appointed by David to, to lead public worship. Um, so David was like, hey, uh, Jaduthan, I wrote this song. You have to sing it Sunday. Like me be going, if, if I came to Josh this week, hey, I wrote this new song. You have to sing it Sunday. That's, that's what David is doing here. He hands him Psalm 62. Now, the circumstances are pretty unknown, but it's clear that David is under attack. We don't know. Maybe it was from Saul who was chasing him or, or his son Absalom. Um, but he was going through something extremely difficult in life, and that's what's important. So, Psalm 62. For God alone my soul waits in silence. From Him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. How long will, will all of you attack a man to batter him like a leaning wall, a tottering fence? They only plan to thrust him down from his high position. They take pleasure in falsehood. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. For God alone, O oh my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from Him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory, my mighty rock. My refuge is God. Trust in Him at all times, O oh people. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. Those of low estate are but a breath. Those of high estate are a delusion. In the balance as they go up, they are together lighter than a breath. Put no trust in extortion. Set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart on them. Once God has spoken, twice have I heard this, that power belongs to God, and that to you, O Lord, belongs steadfast love, for you will render to a man according to his work. The heart of this psalm is verse 8. David switches at this point from a personal prayer to addressing the congregation to a pleading with God's people. He says, trust in God at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. So if life is hard right now for you, how do you trust in God? Even when life isn't hard, how do you trust in God? David says it right here. Here's how you do it. You pour out your heart before Him and you treat Him like He is. Your refuge. So let's start with then. God is a refuge for us. This, this verse provides a great outline for the whole chapter. So God is our refuge or He is our rest. Verses 1 and 2 and 5 and 7. Reiterate that. You trust God by resting in, in Him. And resting in Him just means focusing on Him. Verse 1. For God alone my soul waits in silence. Now, several English translations translate that differently. So I was like, what is going on? What is being said? So I looked a bit at the original language, the Hebrew. And there's just three words. And those three words mean this. Soul, silent waiting, God. Now, obviously, the translators didn't just put soul, silent waiting, God, because that's not a complete sentence. Um, and they would get made fun of for it. So... Uh, they actually filled it out and made it a sentence. And everyone kind of did it a little bit differently. But, but the idea is that, hey, he's talking to himself. He's like, hey, soul, deepest part of myself, you need to silently wait for God. He's preaching to himself. I've said this multiple times, but it's so important. The most influential preacher in your life and in David's life was himself. 
Because he's always talking to himself and we're always talking to ourselves. And he's like, hey, self, be quiet for a minute. I mean, how many times do we need to do that with ourselves? Our mind is just going nuts and we just need to go, hey, self, be quiet. Shut up. (laughs) That's what he's doing. But what about this silence? How do we silently wait? What does that mean? It can't mean sitting in complete silence with no thoughts. Okay, I, I often go crazy when left to my own thoughts. You know what I'm saying? So I don't know how to shut that off. I can't do it. If you can, good on you. But I, I can't do it. It doesn't mean that. It means tuning everyone and everything else out and totally focusing on God. How do you do that? Well, David did it here in this psalm through prayer and through reminding himself of the truth. And we can do the same thing. Maybe you need to take your phone and put it on airplane mode for a while or shut off some notifications. I know some of you use your phone to, to, for a Bible app or to connect or whatever. That's, that's great. That's fine. But, but somehow, tune everything out. Find a quiet place and focus on the truth of who God is. That's what David does. Verse 2, he calls him my rock, my fortress. Verse 8, my refuge. Now David was often on the run. From people who were after him in his life. So um, he would often go and hide in caves. Caves were gr- a great place to hide because they were up high, up in the mountains. Uh, and it was safe from the weather for the most part. And he was hidden. Now, unlike caves, caves you can be found. Okay, Your enemies can still find you in a cave. And David was at points. But unlike those, we can still focus on God even when life is really hard and not be greatly shaken. He's going to work this out. And this reminds me of a time that I was in a cave. So I took a trip down to the Ozarks. And this is Heather and I in a cave. It was a huge cave. And there we are. We look happy. We're having a good time, right? Um, it was kind of a creepy cave, yes. But it, it was fun, you know. And We're walking around, and then suddenly, something fell from the ceiling really close to Heather. And we're like, what was that? And we look, and it was a bird wrapped up in a snake. (laughs) Okay, constricting it, doing whatever they do to it. I don't know. We didn't stay around long enough to check that out. But, But having a great time. You know, we think we're safe. We're in the cave. And then chaos. Okay? Now... In life sometimes, we think we're safe. We're like, oh man, you know, this is great. This is awesome. I'm safe. And then life just comes crashing down around us. Maybe a family member dies or you lose a job. See, when it says that God is our rock our, and our fortress and our refuge, it means that he's still our rock. Even when it's hard, he's still our cave, our fortress, and we can't be shaken. Even when things are crumbling around us, we can trust in God. But how do we do that? How do we trust in God in the middle of the mess? You rest. You rest in God by focusing on God alone. From Him comes my salvation. Only He can get me through this mess. He reminds himself of this. Verses 5 through 7, he says essentially the same thing. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from Him. 
He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory, my mighty rock, my refuge is God. Verses 3 and 4, his attackers are coming at him and he's describing that and he's faced with his trouble and his attackers and he comes back and says the same thing. Why? Because David is like you and I and he was easily distracted. He became so focused on the problems and the things crashing down around him that he took his focus off of God. And David preaches the same thing to himself. Over and over and over. And we need to do the same. We are so easily distracted. We are so prone to wander. We need to remind ourselves of the truth. Memorizing scripture is a great way to do that. A really helpful way to do that. We don't memorize scripture so that we can walk around and go, Look, I have all this scripture memorized. I know a lot of the Bible. No, you have it so that you can fight. So I was at a church in college and they had every week they had a, a verse for people to memorize that had to do with whatever they were teaching. I love that. And they called it fighter verses. The reason is they didn't want people to just memorize verses to say that and memorize. They did. They wanted to have people memorize it so that they were ready to remind themselves of what is true, even in the dark. And maybe it's just a line. He alone is my rock and my salvation. I'm just going to repeat that this week. Maybe it's an attribute of God. God is my refuge. Maybe it's a verse. Maybe it's a chapter. But you have to battle with it. We are weak. We are sinful. And we're forgetful. So we need to fight. Notice the one main difference in verses 5 through 7 from 1 to 2. He says at the end of verse 6, I shall not be shaken. Before he said, I will not be greatly shaken. Now he's like, I'm not going to be shaken at all. His confidence is rising. His trust is rising and building. He won't just be a little shaken. He's just not going to be shaken. See, the chaos around you does not have to be the chaos within you. The chaos around you doesn't have to be the chaos within you. Anyone ever gotten stuck in concrete? No, nobody... I haven't either, actually. I, that would have been a great story. I was hoping someone would, and then I would have you come up. No, I wasn't going to have you come up. But um, if you do have one and you're just being shy, I'd love to hear it later. Um, but I, I was thinking about that, and, so, and, and a couple different people have said this analogy to me and regarding other things lately, but I, but I love this. David's reminding himself of who God is. I am standing on the rock. And God being our rock doesn't mean, oh man, you know, things are getting shaky. I'm starting to move. I don't know if I'm going to stay on that rock. No, it's like your, your feet, your shoes are filled with concrete, stuck to that rock. And so even if you get knocked over, even if you get, you get jostled a little bit, your feet are on, rock, on the rock or on Jesus. That's, that's what David is saying. I am not going to be shaken because I can't, because my feet are firmly planted on the rock on Jesus. I'm trusting in him. He's put my feet in concrete. We need to remind ourselves of that, that nothing can separate us. We need to remind ourselves of things like Romans 8, 38, or uh, yeah, 38 through 39. For I'm convinced, hear the trust, hear the confidence. I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, Neither angels, nor demons, 
Neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's how we trust in God. We remind ourselves of our confidence that we have in Him. Remind ourselves that our feet are planted firm with concrete on the rock. Not because of anything we did, but because of everything He did. So how do you trust God? You rest by focusing on God and remind yourself of what is true. How else do you do it? You pour. You pour out your heart to God. Verses 3 and 4. He does this. How long will all of you attack a man to batter him like a leaning wall or a tottering fence? They only plan to thrust him down from his high position. They take pleasure in falsehood. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. He's honest. He's raw in the valley. He's not dripping a little bit of his heart out to God. No, he's pouring out his heart to God. He's not like, well, I'm sad, but God, you are good. No. Poor means unfiltered, shouting, questioning, raw emotion. We see this in the Bible all the time. I'm reminded of Hannah in 1 Samuel. Praying for a child because she couldn't have a child. 1 Samuel 1, verse 12. This is amazing. As she continued praying before the Lord, Eli, he was the priest, okay? He observed her mouth. Hannah was speaking in her heart, only her lips moved and her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli took her to be a drunken woman. And Eli said to her, how long will you go on being drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered, No, my Lord, I am a woman troubled in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman, for all along I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. Then Eli answered, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. And God ended up giving Hannah a child. But what's important here is she was pouring out her heart. People thought, I mean, the, the priest, the guy who's supposed to be leading out in prayer, thought she was drunk. Pouring out your heart will look a little crazy. But it is the true pathway to trusting God. God gives us permission to be a little messy in the process. We don't have to have it figured out. We don't have to be politically correct. We can pour out our heart to God. Say what's on our mind. That's how you trust God. And verse 3, it says like a, they're, they're coming at me like a leaning wall and a tottering fence. They're trying to knock me down. This is the opposite of a rock. The opposite of a fortress and a refuge. See, I'm a wreck when I'm getting torn down by attackers or things in life that are hard. And, and the only true safe place for me to go with that wreckage is the rock, is God, my fortress. See, just in the last two weeks, I've taken a good amount of time to just walk around the block and the neighborhood 
and pour out my heart to God. Why it has taken me hard circumstances to do that, I don't know. But I need to do that all the time, and we need to do that all the time. But beware. The devil hates you praying, especially pouring out your heart. The book Screwtape Letters by C.S. Lewis. Um, it's a good read. You should check it out. But um, it's about this, this advanced demon. Okay, this isn't, this isn't real. This is figurative. This is fiction. But um, he's imagining what it would be like for an advanced demon. Uncle Screwtape is his name. Um, writing to his nephew demon and giving him advice about tempting humans. He says this. The best thing... Where it is possible is to keep the patient from the serious intention of praying altogether. When the patient is an adult recently converted to the enemy's party, the enemy being God, he's a demon, remember? Like your man, this is, the best, this is best done by encouraging him to remember or to think he remembers the parrot-like nature of his prayers in childhood. Isn't that interesting? I think that's what the devil does. He wants us just repeating the same parrot-like prayers that we know that we always say at dinner time or at bedtime or whatever it is. But that's not pouring out your heart to God. God wants our hearts. He doesn't want words, blah, blah, blah. No, he wants our hearts being honest and authentic. That's how we trust God. We fight by intentionally Picking when and where we're going to do this and pour out our hearts to him. Because if you're anything like me, I just won't if I don't plan to do it. The third way that we can trust God, we rest, we pour, pour out our hearts and we resist. Verses 9 and 10. Those of low estate are but a breath. Those of high estate are a delusion. And the balances they go up, they are together lighter than a breath. Put no trust in extortion. Set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart on them. You say in verse 9, resist trusting in people. We just sang it. I dare not trust the sweetest frame. Frame, we're talking about people. I'm not going to trust even, even the best person, the most important person in my life. And how convicting that was standing here as my wife is singing. And I'm right here going, wow, I'm not, I, yes, I trust my wife, but I'm not going to trust her as much as I trust God. How hard is that for us to do? The most important people, cherished people in our lives to go, no, I'm going to trust God more than them. Psalm 73 Verse 25 says, Whom have I in heaven but you? And there's nothing on earth that I desire besides you. See, we're not saying that we don't desire anything else but God. That's silly. We desire all sorts of things. We're saying that we don't desire anything else on the same level as God. No one gets that pedestal. We need to resist trusting in people. People will fail you. Even those closest to you at times. He's saying both the ordinary and the powerful people, they're just a breath. Contrast that to God, who's a rock and a fortress. David, he had to leave his best friend, Jonathan. His king, Saul, tried to kill him. His son, Absalom, overthrew him. 
doesn't mean we never trust people. It just means they don't get the same pedestal as God. So if a parent, a spouse, a child, a friend, a boss, someone on social media has the power to shake you more than God does, you've made that person a functional God in your life and you need to repent. Resist trusting them like you trust your rock and your Savior. Verse 10, he's saying, hey, resist trusting in money and in stuff. Saying, especially don't trust in money that's stolen or cheated, that you cheated other people out of. But even if God blesses you with money and with stuff legally, don't put your trust in it. You know, you can't buy your way out of hard times. I have a friend who has an amazing house, an acreage. They have a vacation home. They've got an amazing job and they have cars and cars and cars. Yet life is really difficult for them right now. And it's really difficult for reasons that are totally outside of his control. It's because you can't buy your way out of hard times. Money and stuff always overpromises and underdelivers. You cannot, it cannot give you the joy and the satisfaction and the life that you crave and need. This can only come from trusting in God. So resist. Resist trusting in people more than God. And resist trusting in money and stuff more than God. But why trust Him? Maybe you're here today and life is really hard. And you're like, why should I even go? Why should I even trust God? I have no reason to trust Him. 11 and 12 answer that. New Living Translation said, God has spoken plainly and I have heard it many times. He's saying, hey, what I'm about to say is more true than true. Listen up. And he says, power belongs to God. And that to you, O Lord, belongs steadfast love for you will render to a man according to his work. Why trust God? Because he's powerful. And he's loving And he is just. He's powerful. Verse 11. He's all powerful. Omnipotent. Nothing is too hard for God. We learn in Jeremiah 32.17. Also nothing takes any effort for God. That was was a new thought for me. A.W. Tozer says this. All his acts are done without effort. He expends no energy that must be replenished. Wouldn't that be amazing? We could just do stuff and it didn't even take any energy. That's God. That's what it means that he is powerful. You can trust God because nothing's too hard for him. He's not limited by anything. See, with people, we, we often don't trust them because we're unsure of their capability. Are they going to follow through? Can they actually get this done? But God can and will deliver you from whatever you're going through right now. If not in this life, in the next So he's completely worthy of our trust. You can trust God because nothing takes effort for him. Right now, he may not be delivering you. But it's not because he's exhausted. Right now, God may not be delivering you from whatever hardship you're going through. But it's not because he's tired. He could deliver you right now without any effort. See, with people, we don't trust them because we think, well, maybe they're lazy or forgetful or, or something like that. But with God, He is not lazy and He has not forgot about you. 
His power is being withheld for good purposes. God's not stingy with his power. He's precise and he's perfect. But we learn in verse 12, he's not just powerful, he's loving. You can trust God because of his steadfast love. He's all-powerful, but if he's all-powerful without love, he's just a cruel, harsh, disinterested God at best. And if he's all-loving without power, then he has a bunch of good intentions without the ability to care for people well. But author Jonathan Parnell says this, it doesn't matter how good he feels about us if he can't really do anything about it. But he's both. He's all-powerful and he's all-loving. And he does care intimately about us. He actively cares for us in powerful ways. And lastly, he's just. He says he will render to a man according to his work. See, God is powerful. He's loving. He's just. It's good and it's loving that he is just. Let me ask you this. If you struggle with God being just, is it loving of God to let A person that mistreated you off the hook. Absolutely not. That is totally unloving. Justice must be served. The price must be paid. You can trust God because he's not overlooking any injustice that you have ever experienced or will experience. Someone will pay. And this is the most loving thing he can do. Either that person... Or Jesus will pay the price for their sin. Either way, justice will be served. And there's comfort and there's hope in that. How do I know God is powerful, loving, and just? David didn't just say it here. He proved it. You can trust God because he proved he's worth trusting in an unprecedented way. No one, no thing has ever earned this kind of confidence and trust. He loved us, showed us his love by laying down his life for us on a cross. He was just by paying the penalty for our sin that we deserve. And he showed his power over sin and death by rising from the dead to defeat sin and death forever. And one day, complete justice will be served And the defeat of all evil will happen. But until that day, we trust Him. We trust Him by resting in Him. Focusing on Him. By pouring out our hearts to Him. The song I shared at the beginning has another part to it. The song's called, I Will Trust My Savior Jesus by City of Light. And it says, Oh, on that cross, how it was seen. I can go now ever trusting in the one who died for me. What could I bring? For your gift is complete, so I trust you. Simply trust you, Lord, with every part of me. You're having a hard time trusting God? Look at the cross. He proved it. He's worth trusting. So here's my challenge. We could come here, talk about this psalm, read it, learn some cool things about it. And walk away and and have our lives be relatively unchanged and untouched. But here's my challenge. I want you to carve out some time. At least half of a day. To just disconnect. And live out Psalm 62. Those of you who don't think you need this. 
or don't have time for it probably need it the most. I even have a guide. I, I've done this with, with staff members. I've done this with other people. Um, just to kind of work through, what do I do? How do I focus on God? How do I focus on God for a set amount of time? What do, what do I do? I don't know what to do. Well, don't worry. I have this so you can grab one before you leave if you want. And I, I can always send you one as well or print more. But life is hard and it's going to continue to be hard. But there is rest for your soul in all circumstances. But it takes time. We have to remember that verse, soul. Wait quietly for God. That doesn't just happen. And the devil hates you doing this. So battle him. Fight him and go, no, I'm going to trust him. Even though life is terrible right now, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to listen to my Savior Jesus who says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. For you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Let's pray. God, I pray that people in this room would actually take some time to rest in you. And build confidence and trust in you like David did. I pray that you would give us strength to do that because we know our great enemy, the devil, doesn't want us doing this. God, give us strength to pour out our hearts to you. Maybe we've never done that before. Maybe there are people in here who just never thought they could be honest with you, God. Or maybe you've just never taken the time to do it, whatever the case. God, help us to just take some time to be honest with you and find true peace and joy that this world cannot even come close to offering us. Forgive us for turning to other things for that joy and peace that only leave us empty and broken. Pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.